program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with Lita Green. And my guest today, Steph Mortensen. Did I say that right? Almost. What's the correct way of saying it? Moritzen. Moritzen. That makes everybody more says sense. it wrong. Everybody yeah, says it wrong. It's like green. No, wait, that's not a problem. That was <laughs> my other name. My maiden name was hard. So we actually, this is our first time meeting meeting. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Like, there you go. It's this, this is all happening right now in real time, people. Well, I mean, real time for us, re- recorded for you all. But <laughs> so tell me about you, Steph because we go way back from 2019 on Facebook. True. Yeah. Years now, years years of, of Facebook friendship and now we're making it official. Yeah, because maybe, like, it's, maybe it's on Facebook that you actually make it official. I think that's when you're like in the acquaintance thing. Hmm. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I, I mean, you can't have, you know, Facebook caps you at 5,000 friends, which I keep hitting that cap. You can't have 5,000 close friends. I did have a guest that was like, she's got some kind of crazy photographic memory and she knows exactly where she met everyone or what connected them. And I'm like, dang, that's awesome. You know? Um, And a lot of my Facebook friends I have met either through my life or through speaking. Um, But, you know, they're not like, you know, your friends, you have to at least have a conversation, right? Or you would lots think of so. messaging back and forth, I feel like. And then you're like inner circle friend when you're like, you call you up when you're crying. True. You know? and, and and I have, I don't have quite as many friends as you do, but I, I have several thousand. Well, and a, I don't and think a it, lot of them are family. A lot of them are, are <laughs> former students. A lot of them are random people that I just thought were cool. And I thought I want to be their friend. Yeah, that, you, that's you, how we became friends. You sent me a request. You did not, as we were joking before the call, uh, before this conversation, you did not send me a marriage proposal. So um, no, or any pictures of myself naked. So which we are good. Is, all appropriate. All and appropriate. also, um, you're welcome that I didn't because that would <laughs> be, um, nobody should see that. Well, no, stop. You did not just say something <laughs> poopy about my new friend. <laughs> you did not. You, you don't know me very well to know that you do not do deprecating comments about yourself. Watch, give me a compliment. You're beautiful. I know. Thank you. See, see, did that make you feel less beautiful? No, exactly. You were like, if she can feel beautiful with that messy hair bun, dang me with my hot, saucy red hair that matches my lip color and the cute little decorations behind me or even, no, it's not a competition. Right. But right. People permission. And I already know you're awesome. So when you're down on you, it makes anyone who's comparing themselves to you and the negative, like they're negative to you makes them feel bad. Yeah, you're See? right. So we no. got to hold it up. It's the way we can like empower women and, you know, build the love and role model to our girls and our boys that boys that they can pursue confident women and to our girls to be confident, thriving girls. You know, well, in that case, I think everyone should see me naked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe I won't go that far because, you know, there is like, um, public decency laws. Yes. But, you know, um, there's a whole, so many directions we could go in with this. Let's not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm like, well, there was one time that lady in New York and yeah. Anyway, you know. So, um, and I feel really good about myself just so you know, Steph, and I don't really want to walk around naked. No, no, 
Yeah. And that I feel like it's good that I'm keeping that for the committed relationship and the, the relationship that I've chosen to keep that in. You Agreed. Know? Yes. Um, and a good firm bra is a wonderful thing for our fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and some Spanx maybe. Yeah. A little bit of Spanx, you know, kind of a little color, you know, I mean, as a makeup artist, I love how, you know, makeup can lift and pull and do different things. And I feel the same way about my clothes mm-hmm. though today it's a sweats day because it's a podcast day. So, okay, Steph, we, we know that I'm a little weird, but the <laughs> listeners already know that. So tell, tell us about you. Give us the rundown. Um, okay. I was raised in Northeastern Arizona in a small agricultural town. What town? It's called St. John's. I know it. You it do. mobile homes. Well, of course it does. Yes. But I know the towns with mobile homes in the Western United States. My dad was a trucker. So, yeah. So we have that in common. I've, I've driven into your town and put a house there or driven out of it and put a house. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, I moved to Utah when I married my first husband and that was when I was 19 years old. So I've been in Utah longer than I was in Arizona. Now it's still hard to say I'm from Utah. I'd still want to tell you're people from Arizona. I'm from Arizona. You're from yeah. Arizona. It's okay. I mean, that's where you were made. You got the the hair that has been touched by the sun with the flaming red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, we want to see the hair. We want to see the hair. You know? Oh uh, yeah. So um I had three sons with my first husband. They're they're awesome. And um I don't know how how detailed you yeah. want me to go. How old are how old are your kids? I mean, you you can be as open as you want to. Okay, realize sure. it's not just me and my cat listening. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So how old I are have, your kids? Um, 22, 19, and 16. Okay. And I'm older than you, and your kids older than mine. And I always have a hard time with that when I meet people. I I, I currently now have older kids because I'm remarried to my uh-huh. second husband and, and second and last husband, we'll call it, we'll say that. That's, right. That's good. I, I feel that it's a, it's a good to draw. I mean, if you're the person going for the, I've been married for a long time goal, it, it's good to not collect them. No, no. unless that's your goal. And not <laughs> definitely not a goal. Um, so he has three children as well. So I, so then we have, you know, it's kind of the Brady Bunch. I had three, he had three. Mm-hmm. So he has a son who's 30 and then two daughters that are in their twenties. And so how old you are? I'm 47. Okay. Cause, um, I'm older. I'm 48. You look really good. I mean, well, I look fantastic. So you look fantastic. <laughs> but I was thinking in that you were like 40. Oh my. I, I was like, you. how could she, that would be weird having, um, a 30 year old when you're 40, right. That would, that would be uncomfortable. Maybe I mean, some, I don't know. I mean, some people do it. I have, I have another friend that she's eight years older than her husband's oldest. It happens. And they got married. She was her first marriage, his, his second, I presume. Um, and she was finishing raising this kid. Yeah. So it was, wow. that was an interesting dynamic of like way back in the day, a few years ago, <laughs> I tried to do that same crap. She might, she might've been cooler cause she could relate and, and she'd be like the cool aunt or something more than, a, right. yeah. than the wicked stepmother. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's kind of an old trope, you know, like, yeah. you know, you hope I, I, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to buy into the, just cause you're the step parent that you're they're poopy if somehow. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And then we, so I, I've remarried now for 10 years and we have two littles together, a nine-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy. So you, I just did math. Mm-hmm. You have eight children that you yes. love on. Hey, eight, eight, eight is enough. Eight <laughs> is enough. So you're not, and you're 47. And I don't want to make an assumption, but since we go way back in friendship, you um, are probably not wanting to open up the uterus to do more kids. No, no, the, that's closed for business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wore mine out too, you know, gave it a good 
a good, but it offendeth me. So we plucked it out. <laughs> hey, I am, I am ready for that. I'm, I'll I'm, tell done. You, I'm done with it. So, you know, here, somebody um, else take this. For, for, for everyone who might be interested, you don't want to take it out just because you don't like the monthly cycle. Because the hysterectomy is a thing to recover from. And my doctor told me it would take about three months. And I was like, I went into him later and I said, do you think I'm pretty tough? And he's like, oh yeah, you're one of the toughest patients I had. I was in a wheelchair with a pregnancy. So, you know, I'm pretty tough. Right. And I was like, yeah, I just want you to know so that when you tell women it's, you know, six weeks and then three months, you're back to normal. I'll let you know when I'm back to normal and it's not yet, you know, so that other women were not being like, oh, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's not like you know, it's, it's a six months haul before your, your energy levels back and all that kind of thing. So you, you really don't want to just casually do that. Did you take so, your ovaries too? I left them because as I joked with my doctor, I wanted to still PMS, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't really, I get a little quiet during my time of the month. So nobody really notices. Um, but, uh, I don't have that anymore. Um, I think I'm in menopause. I don't, I don't really know because I don't have a period. Yeah. Hard to tell. I think I had a couple of hot flashes a few months ago. It was all very exciting. (laughs) So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but this getting, getting older thing is not my favorite. That's all. It's It's just just not my favorite. It's just a different puberty. Oh, that is so right. You know what I'm saying? And there's good Mm -hmm. opportunities in it but not everyone gets the privilege of growing older. So I'm embracing it. See, I've let my gray, see, see right there. Yes. I call it my ash. But that you, it like, is like highlights. Um, I might have to encourage it to be more highlighty, but then my stylist told me it was really high to maintain, you know, like I have to go in a lot and I'm like, I love you, but that sounds like a commitment. <laughs> Okay. So tell me the story be- behind your cute, spicy hair. Cause it literally is like your favorite color. Cause I can see uh-huh. it perfectly matches your, your shirt hue. She's wearing this beautiful blue top and then your hair color and accessories in her bookshelf behind <laughs> match it. And as a visual person, I love everything about this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm naturally a brunette uh-huh. and and you know what's so funny is You're not um, naturally um, cartoon mermaid hair. What? No, <laughs> crazy! I, I thought that was a natural hair color. I'm so you know, shocked. Red runs in my family, so my mom always hoped that one of us children would end up with red hair. And, and I did have this like a reddish pink right now. It's really fun. Yes, it actually probably has three three to four different color reds in it. Uh huh. So, um, but yeah, I just I like to change my hair. I don't yeah. know. It's it's great. And you remember when we were young, cause I'm only a year older, you remember how it was like all kind of, uh, um, on the edge to color your hair, you know, it was edgy. It was, I remember girls in high school coloring their hair with Kool-Aid. Oh, the rebellion, the rebellion. And I, yeah. I love that we can kind of have the self-expression that's not permanent, you know, and yeah. it's not like counterculture. Yeah. I've always loved this is, this is not surgical, right? This is something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, my daughter wanted to color her, her hair with Kool-Aid and she's like, I'm over it, <laughs> you know, but my son wanted to have like a faux hawk. And I was like, okay, that's what I always say. It's just hair. Yeah. Like I've never battled my kids with their hairstyles. If they want to do something weird, my, my one son has a mullet right now, whatever. Yeah. I, just, it's um, hair. a mullet is come back in style mm-hmm. and I don't totally don't quite I don't quite get that you know I I don't know I don't know but it's big it's big in our area we we have a lot of kids who kind of are you know country we're yeah, where's in, your area we're we're in West Haven so we're up in you know northern Utah kind of farmy community kind of like Farm, what you grew mm-hmm. up in but not as hot Yes. Well, actually where I'm from, wasn't too hot. It, it was, near, it was about um, the same elevation, staff, right? Close. Yeah. In the white mountains area. So not, yeah. not too bad, but yeah, not too bad compared to, compared to Phoenix. Yeah. No, right. I don't know how people yeah. can live there. I love all my family that lives there. I like to I visit did. them in the winter. I, I did live there for a while. 
um, as a, a missionary for my church. And we joke that if anyone ever told us to go to hell, we'd say too late. <laughs> Already there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not how I feel about the good, the good people of Arizona, but it was, it was very hot. And I lived in Alaska before that. So it was, it was a little bit, um, a little bit hard on me. Yeah, that's, that's an extreme weather climate change. Yes, yes. All that. Yes. And then in the winter time, I was wearing a light sweater and I, I realized to my great disappointment in myself that I'd become a wimp because it was 90 some degrees and I was just a little bit chilled. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Studio. That's what extreme studio. Okay. So you were telling us about your hair and your boys and you have eight of them. Okay. So you work. I work. I, I've, I've been an educator. Yeah, yes. Yeah. See visual, <laughs> you know, I know. Yeah. Oh, behind me. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I have been in ed education for over 25 years. I started off as a para professional, a para educator in the Ogden Weber school districts, and then finished my undergraduate, um, started teaching high school, taught high school for 18 years. I taught English, Spanish, yearbook. Um, I, th I think one of your guests, Kayla Moline, she was one of yeah. my students. Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> that know. is so fun. I love that. I know. I can't, I really can't go anywhere without seeing a student because I taught for 18 years, not only at the high school, but I also teach and still teach Weber at Weber State University as an adjunct professor. So I really can't go anywhere without seeing a former student, yeah, student or current student. up there where you live, you know, cause mm -hmm. it's, um, I mean, Salt Lake's a little town, if you think about it, you know, in the perspective, I mean, some people are like, oh, the big city. And I'm like, yeah, like New York, right. LA, you know, we're speaking about our country. Um, so, but you know, Salt, I mean, Utah, I think has, um, 5 million people in the whole entire state. Now somebody's going to have to look at yeah, that. Somebody needs to Google that. Yeah. Um, let me, let me talk to my staff. <laughs> um, okay. So you're, you're a teacher. You taught for 18 years. So you, you've retired. Cause you said, I no, I, I went this. into administration. And so okay. I was a, an assistant administrator, um, for a while. And now I'm, I'm a principal of an online school. Oh, what got you into that? Um, you know, what's so funny. I, I, what, I never thought I'd be in an online system and that was not, you know, I love being with the people. I love interacting with the students. And I think that, uh, this, this job came open and a friend of mine, uh, that's an educator reached out to me and said, this is the job for you, your skill set, like all the items on this, this job posting, it's what you do. Okay, and so I, I thought the answer, okay, what is it? Um, um, so there are three point, okay. So 3,363,000 people that live in Utah, 2 million of which live along the Wasatch front. And so that is, you're on the, the, the Northern side of the Wasatch front. Right. So, you know, it's kind of a small town, all of that for sure. You think of big cities, you know? Yep. So, okay. So they said this was a perfect job for you. So I applied, this was, um, the fall of 2019, I applied for this job and interviewed and then nothing. And I thought, oh, I guess I didn't get it and just kept doing what I was doing at a junior high. And then, um, in February, they came to me and asked me if I wanted a job. And by then I'd already decided I didn't get it and that I didn't want it. And so oh, I had no. to do a little bit of soul searching right then. Cause I was like, well, I had already talked myself out of this job. Um, yeah. so it, you how get many the, months in between I was, um, between November to February. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's four months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, and yeah, I was not hearing anything. It just was very weird. And I, I said, can I have a, a, some time to think about it? And he, he said, yeah, go ahead. Take, can you, can you tell me in the next two days? And so I, I went home. I talked to my husband. I prayed. I, I went to, um, 
we're the members of the same church. I went to the temple and, and took it to God. And, and so I, the, just so people who don't, who are not of our faith, cause I have listeners from all over, um, the temple is like an elevated house of worship and you have to be at a certain commitment level in our faith to go. So kind of like the Jewish temple, not, did you know, they're not tourist sites, you know, and we go and we view them as a place of meditation. They're very quiet. So that's a little hard for me because I have to be quiet, you know, <laughs> um, and, but to not disturb other people who might be, you know, having a moment. Exactly. And we believe yeah. they're, they're beautiful. And we believe that they're, you know, literally the house of God. And so we put our best workmanship into them. And um, so there, just catching people up. So you went to the temple. Uh, yeah. And as I was, I was sitting there thinking, I kept having a scripture come to my mind and I should have looked up the reference. We could look it up, but um, that said, this is the child for, for which you have prayed. Oh, and I like either I'm pregnant or I'm taking the job. <laughs> right. And I thought I, I felt a little bit kind of uh, chided in that moment. Like you asked for this child quote child, right? right, this, right yeah. You asked for this, you've been praying for this and now you have it. And it wasn't in your time frame. It wasn't as quickly or in the manner that you expected it, but here, you know, there's, there's people that you have to work through this whole system and, and here it is right in front of you. And now you're telling me, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so I was like, oh yeah. Sorry. Hmm. That, sorry. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. So I accepted the job and, and, and if you'll notice the dates, that was February of 2020, which is perfect, which is a perfect <laughs> time to start a new job in, uh -huh. education. in education, right? Yeah. I and, mean, and that's, I mean, it's slightly better than, you know, joining in medical, you know, yes, <laughs> probably slightly, just barely. Yeah, so yeah. I, at the, at the time when I applied for and accepted the job, the school was kindergarten through eighth grade, and it had a, a total of 100 students. Um, COVID and the pandemic and everything hit education the next month. And then I was instructed that this needed to be a K through 12 school with two <laughs> online schooling options, asynchronous and synchronous, and that we would be the, the response for the, the district for anyone who wanted to be online. So I went from that hundred kids to 6,100 kids in the course okay, of a just, few months. Okay. Just a minute. So you go from a hundred kids, um, um, from kindergarten to sixth grade, mm -hmm. eighth grade, kindergarten eighth grade. Grade. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you go to 6,000 kids from kindergarten to 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And do they give you more staff? Oh yeah. So it, over that summer, as we're seeing students um, registering, but in February and then March, the pandemic hits, mm -hmm. how many students are you adding each month? Or are they just, so we didn't add at that point. We, we were preparing for the fall. So, so over the course of the summer, it was expanding this, uh, the options, getting enough curriculum into the system and then hiring approximately 300 more employees. Oh. Oh, and the, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So you had how many teachers that you were, because you're the admit, are you like, you're the principal? Yes. Yes. So you're, um, how many staff did you have? Uh, well, prior? teachers, I think we, at total started. teachers we had about oh so before when we first started you first when you first started how many teachers? we had um four part-time secondary teachers and one full-time elementary teacher so yeah that's um yeah that so you have like three yeah if you had full-time yeah i mean i'm brilliant at math but um okay two three hundred teachers you had to hire so yeah, three hundred and three. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, uh, and those obviously are not exact numbers. It's probably a little higher. Um, but we had, you know, full-time teachers. We had teachers who, throughout the district, were teaching just one period of math or science or English for us or history, and and it it was 
you know, you look back and you think, how did we survive? It was so intense. I think I would have over easily over 500 emails every day. That all had just, to be attended to. Yes. And yeah. just trying to, to keep on top of it and respond to everybody and to make sure that everything was going okay. And, and I, I tell you right now, I didn't do it on my own for sure. Um, had amazing help from some of the best people I've ever worked with and departments from throughout the district all chipped in. It's like they, they said, uh, forward your phones to us. We'll help you for a couple of days. Um, forward your emails to us. We'll start responding. It was amazing how they rallied around us. And I even talked to a colleague today, another principal. So is your and school like, um, because they were flooding all this in. So is your school kind of like the specialty school in the district? It's the online school for the whole district. Okay. Okay. So, mm -hmm. okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm just yeah. hurting a little bit. Yeah. So that's why they knew you guys are probably a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and uh, so like I was talking to a colleague today and he said, you know, Steph, you guys did amazing. And I said, well, you know, we, we couldn't have done it without everybody's help. There's just no way. And he said, uh, well, lots of us were praying for you. And I said, I know it. I felt it. I felt it every day. There were angels on both sides who were helping us, you know, real people chipping in and, and coming to our rescue. And, and those angels were just saved us. Well, I mean, it's Utah had a lot more choices than a lot of places, but um, the education and how hard kids have been hit. It is such an important aspect. I mean, of, you know, education is the, the foundation of knowledge and, um, you know, the foundation of um, self-esteem and how people view themselves. And it's so crucial that these kids get an education. I was just talking with a friend who, um, you know, um, immigrated here and we were talking about how amazing it is that we have free education in this country for under 12 year old kid. I mean, under 12th grade. So yeah, you had quite the year and you're still kind of in it because yeah, we're still in a hybrid. So two years later, how many students do you have now? So a lot of students, once, uh, once everything slowed down and, and people were able to get vaccinated, a lot of students returned to traditional school, to their brick and mortar school. And so currently we have a total of about 1200 students, um, K through 12 Four times growth. <laughs> I mean, okay, shrinking, have... shrinking was, I think harder than growing. I mean, for, oh, for really? as quickly as we had to grow, the shrinking pains were hard because to send the teachers back who we had grown to just absolutely adore and back to their schools, back so to a school, not necessarily back to the school where they had come from, but back to a, a school was hard to lose them. And, but and how to, big is your staff now? Uh, so now we have about 50 or so teachers. So here, here's a really like dumb question. Okay. So you got hired to manage a staff of three <laughs> and a hundred students. Do you get paid more when you have 6,000 students in your school? <laughs> um, no, my salary did not change. No, <laughs> I know. <laughs> And oh, that well. kind of goes back to that moment you had, you know, in the temple, this is the child. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, there's this really cool thing about like this, these children are going to need you. Oh yeah. Right. That's my husband cool. would give me pep talks. Cause I, I would literally start working at like seven in the morning and I would work till some, most nights till 10, 11, 12 at night. And so I'd go to the office and work and then I'd come home and he'd have my little desk set up and he'd bring me snacks and he'd give me pep talks. And he, and I, you know, I, I'm not much of a crier really, especially about work, but I cried a, a few times uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> just yeah. out of sure ex exhaustion. You should and marry him. I should marry him. He is the best husband. Anyway, he would come oh, and give actually, me these technically, pep talks. I have the best husband, but it's not a competition. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Not just easy. See, you know how we women do that. So just kind of point that out, like oh, yeah. how funny it is. But no, that's awesome. And he would tell me, you know what? No one else can do this but you. You you can do this. You you have all the skills to do this. And it was, he was an angel to me too. It was amazing to <laughs> just to look Wonderful back. Wonderful that you guys pulled together like that. And I'm, 
um, I kind of feel like you should get a bonus, but this is education. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So question, I feel like, because you're an educator, this is something that I've kind of through my studying about politics. Don't worry. I'm not going to get all sticky. Um, but I feel like a lot of the answer is that we have free vouchers. So, you know, the voucher, you know, free choice, I mean, and then, and then the voucher and the kid and the money follows the kid. I feel like this is going to solve a lot of problems because we've got inner city kids and these, um, like, especially when you look at like California, Chicago, where they have little mini school districts that they've kind of literally redlined around the wealthy areas. And then they have, you know, the poor areas, and they're like, oh, we have all this money in our state going to education, but you've got kids that have all their own, you know, laptops and then kids that have no books, you know, cause it's not equitably put across, you know, the thing. So if they had free choice and the voucher, the money followed the kid, then, you know, it'd be more equitable, right? What do you think? Do you, do you is this a good thing to be wanting to vote for? I try to avoid a lot of the politics of education. You know, it's so funny because my, I had an uncle in, in the state legislature. My dad was mayor. He was a county attorney. And um, I didn't register to even vote until I think I was in my 20s because I, and it, only because a neighbor was running and he kind of begged me so that I could vote for him in the primaries. Anyway, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not super political. I'm very centrist. And I, I just like to, to kind of avoid <laughs> political conversation. Okay, so, so not that I'm avoiding your question. I just want to, well, you, if you need to I don't that's, feel that's fair. I don't feel super informed on all of that because well, from your perspective it. where, I mean, I didn't say which party, cause I don't think that's a party question, you know? Um, but I'm, you know, trying to look at candidates that I feel like, or going to help solve problems instead of get us more into ideology of the right or the left. Right. So do you think that's a good solution or what do you think would be a good solution to make more equitable funding? Yeah. To like, how do we, I mean, you know, we've got it pretty good in Utah, you know, because there's a lot of parent volunteerism. It's a a state that really cares about education, but when you you know, when I think about, you know, my friends that they tell me about different stuff that's happening in California or, you know, Mississippi or these kinds of things. I'm like, if we just let people have more choices, you know, then kids would, the, the, the kid that wants to take the AP classes and wants to do these things can go to the school that offers them. You know, they're not going to be limited. I think that, you know, the, the hardest thing for me to see is for money to leave public education, because that is the only available education for a lot of kids. And, and you can say that a kid from an inner city school could go to another school and take his money on a voucher, but how's the kid going to get there when the family has no transportation? Mm -hmm. And so really, if the money is, is leaving public, public education, which and I don't think I'm, I'm wanting are, that I'm wanting the kid to but, be able to choose which, but I think that that's to. what will happen with vouchers. Uh-huh. Is families will take those vouchers and they'll go buy um, curriculum that's um, homeschool curriculum, or they'll take the voucher and go to a charter school. They'll they'll take it out of the public education system, which I really do believe that public education is the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. By providing high quality public education, that all students can have. But what if we that. did it school choice, meaning you can choose which school you go to? Like, just like if you go to like the kid that's in the inner city can go to the school that's, I mean, these are like literally I saw this documentary, how these little school districts are so weird that this kid is being bused, you know, further, but there's schools that are closer, but they're not, you know, they're for the rich kids. So they're making these kids go further distance from their home than like, like as a radius. And so, but these kids can't go to that school because their parents don't pay taxes to that school district. You see why I think that's so poopy. (laughs) Okay, so we'll we'll just let you out. We'll just let you out and we'll say, Steph thinks that kids should be able to choose which school they go to in the public school system. Is that fair? 
Kind of. I, I don't know <laughs> if I want to even say that. <laughs> okay. Steph, what, what, would, be, what would be fair is if all schools in all districts in all the state had equal funding. That's what right. would be fair. That if they are schools that are not failing, because forcing kids to stay in schools that are failing. Um, I have a friend that lived in the Bronx, you know, and they literally were like, um, you're, she, you know, had, was an idealist and wanted to go and teach in her city kids. And they're like, your test scores with your kids are too high and you need to lower, you need to have less kids pass because you're making their teachers look bad. And I'm like, poopy pants. And I know, I know my language is crude. It's a problem. It's harsh language, you know, got the, the foul mouth of a fifth grader. <laughs> I just, I just being a, an educator for my entire career, I cannot imagine anyone saying that to a teacher that we I want know. you to, to not, I, I just, yeah. I can't. Well, I, but you know, again, I mean, it's, um, I feel like we got it pretty good here in Utah, you know, hearing some of her stories of teaching inner city kids. And then she taught kids in Pittsburgh and she's amazing. And then eventually she sadly, you know, burned out and went and got a corporate job making more money. <laughs> so yay for her. Um, I guess, you know, but it's sad because the, the system lost somebody who wanted to, you know, you know, those movies when we were kids, you know, where the teacher would go into the like stand, 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 by and, stand and deliver stand and deliver. Yeah. She was inspired by movies like that. You know, she wanted to go and be that kid. I mean, that teacher that made a difference and, and um, you know, teaching is so important that, you know, my mom was an educator and I, I majored in special ed for a while until I realized that I um, am not that awesome in that way. I have different awesome skills, you know, but I just like, I, I'm going to be in the same classroom every day. It's never the same on yeah. any, any day, every no, day. Like visually, different. like visually, you know, just the same, the same environment. You know what I mean? I, and yeah, I, I still am a teacher in my own way. You know, we all, we all find our path, but um, I do admire the profession, you know, for sure. So my mom graduated from college the same day I graduated from high school, same time, actually. That's amazing. Yeah. So it took her 20 some years to get her degree, but she did it and she had to take a medical retirement. Um, she got MS and Parkinson's, but mm. she taught for, um, um, I'm trying to think, you know, 15, 17 years, something like that, you know? So, you know, graduating when her second to youngest was graduating. So good for her. So, um, okay. So tell me more <clears throat> about you. We are a teacher. We don't want to discuss politics. Got it. I was so clear of politics in our, I mean, I don't feel like it was a heavy political question, but more just trying to like, you know, your, your input, but I didn't say like, you know, any, any names of any candidates. Cause that that's poopy on a podcast or, or well, I guess if less that we're a political podcast, which is not. <laughs> um, well, let's see more about me. Um, I, I love writing. I, I fancy myself a writer. I've been an editor. I've actually been paid to edit. You're a writer. Um, if you have made money off of it, I think you're a writer. I've made money off editing. I have That's not made money off writing. Um, so I have two books and I will tell you that my husband read my first book. He said, it's, it's you, but with good grammar. So editors are very, very important. <laughs> You know, cause they took my words and said, these are all run on sentences. And then, you know, even gave me feedback on ways that I could reorganize my stories to be more impactful. So it was all my words, but just communicating better. And so I always say editors are more than just grammar people, you know, you know, yeah. they, so I think it's important. So I'm going to call you a writer. Well, thank you. I, I, I do love to write and they I do have some books up here, some books that one day will be written and, well, and maybe someone will buy so them little, when your school's so little <laughs> and I have so much time from a hundred kids to, 
I forgot how many kids you had now. All those big yeah, numbers. Over 6,000. Yeah. Over 6,000. Yeah. So back you know, to 1,200. Back, back, that's right. Back. So just four times or whatever. I'm don't, don't ever hire me as a math teacher. Cause it'll be that. <laughs> Uh, um I play the piano I love to sing I um I love to travel where's your favorite I, places you've traveled oh wow um probably Costa Rica and Mexico um we love Puerto Vallarta okay we have been there several times when you go back you have to um talk to me because I have some travel hookups and that's for anyone listening I have a a portal that's kind of cool and some really good deals that are available to me because they thought I was famous and don't tell them I'm not. <laughs> it's just, when you Google me with my name being so unique, you know, Lita. Yeah. Yeah. I look like a really big deal. I mean, I am. <laughs> but, that's awesome. Yeah. So, oh. you know, like little perks, right? So um, I just joke when my friends go down on my, on my perks, like don't, don't tell them that I'm not cool, but I have enough friends that have taken advantage of it. They think I am. So we're, we're holding up this facade. <laughs> awesome. Well, the next time I go, I'm, yeah. I'm going on, on have your, you uh, Calitas? um, Calitas Bay. No, we were going to do that last time we, we went, but it ended up being stormy. So we didn't go. Oh. So, um, because you have an age of kids, your youngest being how old? seven. Yeah. They'll love it uh, up to the 25, the 80 year olds will love it. Well, maybe not 80 year olds, but they have <laughs> we, like a team. You take my mom. She's all, she's and, getting you know, there. everything from the hammocks to the bar, to the beautiful bay, to go and jump off of this and rappel down and, you know, and so we, we loved it. And the name Calitas, which has my name in it. So no big deal, but there you go. Kind of fantastic. <laughs> yeah we've done a few fun things down there but we did we wanted to do favorite? that done you there. know what my favorite was a taco tour we we went on a walking taco tour and oh my heavens i'm gonna do that next time like six or seven i don't even remember how many different tacos brands yeah. go i love i love the tacos down in mexico are so much different i have a sister-in-law who's Hispanic and she gets very upset if you refer to certain foods as Mexican foods. Oh, I'm sure. They're not Mexican foods. Right. So if, if you like Tex Mex, that's awesome. That's what we would call um that she's approved that that name, Tex Mex, you know, but heaven forbid you refer to it as Mexican food because she's like, that is not Mexican food. <laughs> How did you learn Spanish? Well, in Arizona, you know, you're just around a lot of Hispanic people, Spanish speaking people. And so we uh, had Spanish as one of the languages in high school. So I took it all four years in high school, loved it, had the, the best Spanish teacher. And then when I went to college, um, you had to have a teaching minor when I first got my teaching certificate. So I was trying to figure out what to get it in. And I, I, when back then, I don't know, they probably still have CLEP tests. I took a CLEP test to see how much Spanish I could CLEP out of after taking four years in high school of Spanish. And I actually CLEP out of two years of college. And I thought, well, I guess this could be my teaching minor. So I guess I had to take a few more classes to get the teaching minor. Uh -huh. um, the, the tricky thing is you have to be able to speak at a high enough proficiency level to be able to teach it. And that was what was hard. So that's where I came to love Costa Rica because I did a study abroad there for a summer term. Oh, um, smart. Yeah. And that helped me get my fluency up to be able to pass the oral proficiency exam to be able to teach a rough it. assignment to have to go to Costa Rica right. for a summer. I have a cousin who lives there. She has an Airbnb there. Ah, Pura Vida. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, good. Life. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, she, uh, her husband is an IT guy, so he could work remotely and she has a, a direct selling business and can work remotely. And so they moved to Costa Rica and I'm like, good for you with, you can't blame um, them like a 12 and 10 year old. I'm like, go for it. Awesome. It's, it's so beautiful. I, I say it's like, um, Hawaii and Mexico had a baby. 
<laughs> but, cool. but it's not spicy. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, and it's, and, uh, it's cheaper than Hawaii. Right. That's, that's, uh, you know, like Mexico, it's, it's cheaper and you can drink the water there, which is fantastic. You know, um, you don't have to worry about that. I, um, I don't remember having a worry about that, but it's, it's, um, I love going to Latin American countries because like you can buy from the person who's benefiting from your spending that money. Right. Where when you go to Hawaii, it's a little bit more corporate. And so I don't feel like I'm like really helping the economy. I feel like I'm helping a corporation, you know, sure. and I like yeah. to kind of, I like to kind of buy local wherever that is. Yep. I agree. If possible, you know, and so. tip them big. Cause you know that they're not yeah. making anything and, and don't tip them on your card. Yeah. Cause that's just going to go to the yeah, the, the restaurant the, or this, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how they run it. So you, you tip them cash, you know, that it's getting to them and they don't, they don't get mad about American dollars. <laughs> they don't get mad if you're tipping an American. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And it's so great because they're so enthusiastic and um, such. Um, I have this wonderful story when I was in Costa Rica and I was, we're driving on this bus to go to like a, a farm or something fun like that, you know? And the tour guide was like, look at how good we have life. And just before he says that, I'm like, wow, I have like a really good roof on my house and I have like windows on my house and I have an air conditioning unit that costs way too much money. But I'm like literally like looking at these homes and they're beautiful and they're cheerful and they have cockatiels in the trees. But, you know, you just can't help but think, wow, I've got it really good. And he's like, and then he's like, look at what an amazing life we have here. This is the pura vida, the pure life. And he just goes on and on about how amazing their standard of living is in Costa Rica and how great their life is. And, you know, they don't have wars. And I'm like, <laughs> if my perspective were like, you know, our life is so amazing because, you know, we don't have wars. I'm like, hmm, lots of gratitude to work on there. And so you got to love that. You yeah. got to love the, the joy of it. And then you go and talk to somebody and they make like, $8 a day. And that would be considered a good job. And you're like, yeah, my kid can do that. You yeah. Know, they also don't have to wild. Do yes. Yeah. Okay. Any, any fun parting wisdom, um, other than don't get involved in political discussions that you would like to, <laughs> to, to leave, leave the listeners with. I don't, I don't know. We, one of the things I think that we had, um, kind of connected on in, and you're like, you need to be, you need to come on a podcast with something I had shared. Um, I think on Facebook when I was, I had talked about, um, I'm t- I, I teach the old Testament in my church. Oh yeah. So, yes. I remember this now. Dang it. <laughs> we didn't get into that. Okay. We just, you were too interesting. The pandemic and all. Okay. So <laughs> share, share that. Oh, so just some of the things that I've been researching is, and just falling in love with the Jewish culture. Um, in, in fact, one of my, my sweet friends that I made on Facebook, and I haven't met her in person, but I will meet her in person one day too. Um, she is Jewish and she sends me things um, so that I can celebrate in the holidays with her from afar. She lives in Chicago. And uh-huh. so she'll send me things anyway. So it's just been absolutely a joy to learn more about the culture and to, to teach those classes. So I I'm trying to remember what it was that, um, we'll have to share a link to it because, um, I'm trying to remember, but it was, was it the thing about, um, how they fold the, in the, in the tomb or was it about mm-hmm. Passover I could probably go back and find it on Facebook. So okay, we'll find to, something interesting. I would say you may lines. have to edit. We'll share a link to it in your show notes on this. So people mm-hmm. can, can go enjoy that, that the love a little bit of Jesus. Um, well, Jewish well, cultural talk. Jewish, and not just, yeah. not, yeah, not just the Jewish cultural talk, but like the old Testament and just, I've, 
the, some of the study that I've done has been just on the amazing women of the Old Testament and mm-hmm. all everything that they have have done. It's so wild because, um, and I didn't post about this, but I could share about this. I'll share with us now. It's all exciting. Okay. We love, um, we love, we love empowerment women stuff. I do. I love, I love working with women. I love reading about women. And so there seems to be a theme and I just have been keeping these notes as I've studied the Old Testament. We're, we're, you know, in an Exodus. So it's not like we've made it very far yet so far this year since January. Um, But just to see the women who I think sometimes seem like they're doing something sneaky or doing something wrong. In fact, I was even talking to my seven-year-old about, um, I think it was about Rebecca, who um, when she brought her brought Jacob in to, and he, he kind of got the birthright blessing over his brother Esau and right, right, dressed right. up in, in skin so that yeah. his father, um, Isaac would not know, or, but, um, but, or did no, he, but did he not know, you know what I mean? Right. But <laughs> yeah. I'm telling this to my seven-year-old and he's like, that is so sneaky. She's bad. And I said, no, no, she was doing what she thought was right. So it's like this theme that it's also that women at that time didn't have the same ability to, um, to assert themselves in the cultures that they're dealing with and the times that they're dealing with, but they still managed to, you know, kind of I've just seen this, this pattern, um, even starting with Eve. So you go back to Eve, right? Uh-huh. And they're given two commandments in the garden um, to, well, to be fruitful and multiply and then to not eat of Fruit. the, yeah. have the, lots of kids and don't eat this and, and don't eat this. Right. And, and of course we know how the story goes and she does eat of the fruit, but it, she, she makes this choice. I'm going to eat this fruit so that I can follow this other commandment. And that's what I, the pattern I keep seeing. The pattern is. I'm going to do this thing that seems maybe like it could be wrong, but it's to serve the greater purpose of God. So you have Eve and then you have Sarah who, you know, here she's promised Sarah, the wife of Abraham promised that she'll have children and it's not happening. It's, it's not happening. So she takes matters into her own hands. And that's when she gives um, Hagar, Hagar right to, to Ishmael and, And, you know, it wasn't the right way, but because she did end up having her own son, but then, you know, from Hagar, we have Ishmael who has a huge posterity, the, the, the father of the Muslim people. Yes. Yes. And then, and then I just mentioned Rebecca, how she sneaks her son in there um, to get the birthright blessing. And then you've got um, Rachel, who does kind of the same thing as Sarah, she, she can't have a child. So she gives her handmaid Bilhah to, to have a son. And then she ends up being able to have Joseph. And then another story that I just, I thought this was a cool story, though, the wife of, of Judah's oldest son, Er, her name's Tamar. And Tamar, so do you know the story? I love this story. Actually, tell me this one because I'm like sounds familiar, but it's not filling out in my mind. Okay, so Er dies before they have a child. Before they have, um, you know, and Er is his name. I'm I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Er, Er, probably. I don't know, but they he dies before they have a son, and so the law is uh, it's called the Leveret law. Is that she needs to be married to the next brother. Right. Which and I'm have really a son. I don't do that anymore. Right. I'm not into my brother-in-laws. No, not so much. I mean, they're I mean, great. I love them. Right? Yeah, I love them. I just love don't want to, I see them more as like a brother. Don't really want to have <laughs> a baby. Anyway. So if, so they ha- would have a baby with this brother-in-law and that child would be the heir to the, the husband who's died and, and be raised in his name and honor. Uh-huh. and inheritance well so she so that they follow that law and um and the brother does not want to have a son with her a child with her and so he does what he needs to do to make sure that she doesn't get pregnant and because of that god kills him he, he dies 
So, um, meaning he, he doesn't have sex with her or he, uh, no. as they put it in the Bible, he spilled his seed. That's exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're keeping that, it. We're that's keeping what it. it says. Yeah. yeah like me. I said, like it says in the Bible, just making and sure. <laughs> that's exactly what it says. And so then she should be given to the next brother, the right. next son and and judah her father-in-law is like um you know let's wait because here he's had, had two sons die he's afraid the next son will die and so he uh instead gives he tells her to go live with her parents for a while and we'll wait till he gets a little older and i'll let you know when he's ready <laughs> well he's he's of age or ready or whatever and he still hasn't contacted her and she knows this and her mother-in-law has passed away and so she knows that Judah on his, is on his way to go mourn her death. And so she cha- takes off her mourning clothes, her, you know, that I'm, I'm sure that would show that she was in mourning. I don't know if right, right. a certain veil or black or whatever. Anyway, so she goes and sit, she changes and she sits on the side of the road, but veils herself. So she won't be recognizable. And Judah comes by and sees her and takes her for a prostitute and, um, and takes her in and, and, um, <laughs> that's what you do with a prostitute and then he doesn't have you don't anything to spill pay your seed evidently yep, he did not spill his seed um and he he didn't have any money to pay her so <clears throat> he leaves some some identifying trinkets with her so that um it's like a collateral so then he'll send a, a sheep or a goat back oh he needs to payment. plan out his prostitution visits better i mean that's <laughs> that's not how you're supposed to do that I guess okay. it's kind of like credit cards i guess anyway <laughs> um so the the then she goes back and puts back on her her regular clothes of mourning or whatever and then uh he sends a servant to go pay and there's no prostitute and he's like, great, I don't have to pay. And I, it was all good. Well, then he finds out that she's pregnant. And so he wants her killed for being pregnant. Uh-huh. Um, and only he doesn't realize that he's the dad. And yeah. so when she comes to him uh, in front of him to be condemned and put to death, basically, she, he, uh, she says, who, the father is the person who owns these things, which were his identifying items. And, uh-huh. and, and then he says, she is more righteous than I, mm. because she was keeping the law. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, if there wasn't another son, then it is the responsibility of the father to have this child. And anyway, so just on and, and on. He, and he wasn't, he wasn't classy. He wasn't a classy. No. Guy. He, yeah. re- he repented, I think. And then, and then the whole uh, Moses story, all the women who hear Moses is the deliverer, but so many women delivered Moses so that he could deliver yes. the people. Right. So you have his mother who delivers him and then hides him for three months. And then, um, and you, who makes well, sure yeah, right. The, connect the, with the, mother. the, the, the two the, midwives, the daughter, the, the do- yeah, the two midwives. Yes, right. Like, the word commanded to so hardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but they're commanded to throw every um, Israelite son and or to kill them, and they don't, and so they defy. Right. So here they are breaking a law. So again, this repetition of the, the, these women doing things that maybe seem wrong because they're breaking a law that's been given to them by Pharaoh but they're serving God in the process and making right. sure that that what's supposed to happen happens. Right. Anyway, right. I, there are so many more I could keep going, but I just have seen this pattern and I hope it continues to see these so, strong women. I've who... always kind of had this theory that, um, you know, that the, that a lot of men, you know, during the middle ages were not really pro women, they kind of edited out a lot of women. And like when we get the more of the scriptures, you know, in heaven or whatever, that there's going to be more stories of women. This is my personal theory. Is that too controversial? Are you okay with that? <laughs> it's not <laughs> politics. Uh, I'm okay, okay talking about religion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, some people might be like, whoa, you know, but you know, these, these stories are to teach us. Right. And um, you know, every family has their stories of, you know, this is what we learned from that story. This is what we learned from that experience. 
And, you know, there's a great value in these because they're stories of how different people survive different circumstances. And I just think there's a lot more women in there than we, than, than we're getting right now because, um, you know, they were kind of pro, pro men and not so pro women, you know, but they're right. like, oh, we can't take this woman out. Cause I guess Jesus has to have a mom. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I bet you there are some amazing stories that we'll get, we'll get you know? Yeah. So, well, Steph, I love that we have had like a girl lunch. <laughs> this was yeah. like, this was awesome. Like we, we learned about each other. We had a great time and I'm really glad that, that COVID's kind of over and that you're just down to 1200 students from your 100. It's a, it's a huge growth. So congratulations for, and ask for more money. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad you have great staffing and um, that you got through that and that uh, the, the, the child that you were there, um, that you made room for all 6,000 of those kids. So, oh yeah, I have an awesome friend in my friend, Steph. Thank you. It was fun to just get to know you and see your cute face. Oh, uh, well, you know, <laughs> what can you know? <laughs> <laughs> And to see your cute face, not just a little profile picture that's that big. So thank you, my friend Steph, for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.